Welcome to the MomQ Podcast, where we provide you with the godly intelligence and biblical resources to find peace, hope, and joy on your motherhood journey. I'm Candace Nasser, the founder of MomQ, a community of moms building healthy families. I hope you will be inspired and encouraged as we talk to moms of all ages about how God is using their unique gifts and calling to build His kingdom. Welcome everyone. Today is our last conversation with our MomQ leaders for our Becoming a Confident Mom series wrap-up. We've been answering pre-submitted questions from our community members, and so far we've talked about marriage, spiritual growth, and holiday traditions. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about issues pertaining to our children, all of our favorite topics. Uh, We're going to talk about ways to disciple them at home, help them deal with anxiety, and others. So I think you're going to really enjoy it. I have with me Sue McClendon and Lynette Seitzler. Both are MomQ Mentor Moms. They're going to be sharing their collective wisdom and encouragement, and I'm excited for you to get to know them. So welcome, Sue. Hi, Candice. Hi, Lynette. Good. Hello, hello. Good to have you guys. So let me start by briefly introducing you. Um, Sue has been a mentor mom with MomQ since our very beginning. She spent 21 years raising her family, participating in Bible studies, leading small groups, and mentoring moms of younger children. She says being a mom was her favorite job, and she loves to encourage other moms as they juggle their own family, extended family, marriage, and time for themselves. Currently, Sue is a contributing writer on the website freedtoflourish.com, and she was recently published in the Proverbs 31 book, Hope When Your Heart is Heavy. So we're excited to have Sue with us today. And then as a mentor mom, Lynette enjoys helping younger moms grow deeper in their Christian walk. She was originally raised on farms and ranches in both Minnesota and Texas. Yeehaw. (laughs) Uh, Lynette has lived in Austin since 2006. She's a journalist, and she started reporting for Four Points News in 2008. And then in 2011, God gave her the opportunity to own the newspaper itself. You can find Lynette at most local events taking photos and notes. And she's also a faithful assistant to her husband who teaches Bible uh, fellowship class at their church. So ladies, let's start by letting our listeners get to know you a bit. Uh, Sue, what are your plans? We're close to Christmas. So why don't you share with our listeners if you what you're planning for um, this Christmas? Okay, well, we have a years old tradition that one of my older children asked me if I could do with her. And these are the Advent cards that I think mm. we've popularized on MomQ. Um, it's just every day we read an Old Testament prophecy and the New Testament fulfillment. Ooh. And it really kind of quiets your heart and reminds you that God is in control. The things he says will come to pass and we can trust him with his promises. So I've really enjoyed doing that one-on-one with one of my older children. And I've... then every year, you know, we hang our stockings and we get ourselves special little gifts and we're always looking forward to that. That's ex- that's exciting. And all four, I mean, you're going to share with us in a minute, but all of your kids will be home. Yes, this might be the last year. I don't know. They're getting older and they're starting to have their own lives. But yes, we will all be together this year. Wonderful. How about you, Lynette? 
Well, I have um, two daughters who are in college and they'll both be coming home working on finals right now. So saying a lot of prayers for them through that. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, once they get home, we will actually decorate the Christmas tree together. Oh, you wait till they get home, huh? Normally we don't, but this year we will. Okay. Just how things are going. And then we will certainly bake the cookies, decorate together, and just enjoy Christmas Eve service mm. and uh, the, the traditions we like. Yeah. So. Sounds great. Sounds so, yeah, we're, it's the same, the same with us for sure. Um, so Sue, how about you share with our listeners um, a little bit, yeah, how long you've been married and a little bit about your kids and maybe even what you like to do for fun. Okay. Um, we've been married, I think 26 years, maybe 27 years. My husband will be upset that I don't know the actual number, (laughs) but we have such a fun marriage. I don't keep track of those numbers. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Good Um, save. (laughs) Um, what was the second part? Um, how many, about your kids? You have four kids. Yes, I have four kids. They're ages 24 to 18. We have one senior in high school and he will launch in May and then we'll be empty nesters. Mm, new phase. Yeah. For sure. And then what do you like to do for fun? I love to walk the hills in our Austin area. Mm. It just, I was a runner before. I can't run anymore, but I can walk those hills and I get the same adrenaline. I love it. So yeah. I was just out walking today. Wonderful. That's yeah. I love to walk as well. And how about you, Lynette? Um, two daughters, like I was uh, mentioning earlier, one is a junior and one is a sophomore at college, both on different coasts. Um, my oldest is in Florida and my youngest is in California. And um, especially this fall, we've really enjoyed a lot of different trips. Me in particular, my husband had a had an opportunity to work on the East Coast. And so um, I ended up getting in a lot of trips this last um fall. And to me, it was absolutely amazing. And I absolutely love it. And I really enjoyed getting to know certain areas of the country, going to Mm. museums and exploring and going on hikes and things like that. Mm. So that is a little glimpse of what I like to do as a new empty nester. And um, yeah, this a lot of our moms can't even fathom that far in the future, but um, hang in there because It is, it is a blessing. Um, you miss your kids, but it's also really fun to have time to yourself. And like you said, explore, travel, have more time to exercise, all those things. So, and also how long have you been married, Lynette? 26 years. Okay. Look at that. <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this. What year did you get married? 97. Oh yes. 97. Okay. So there you go. 26. <laughs> Mystery solved. Mystery solved. Love it. Um, okay. So to, as I said, we're going to be talking about children And our first question that we're going to address is, how do you handle a naturally competitive child who thinks happiness comes from achievement? And I thought this was a great question to follow up our semester because we actually talked, one of our lessons was, how can we be happy? And we talked about how we want our children to be happy. And yet we learned that happiness is not found in things of this world. So how would you answer this mom who is, com- is concerned with this competitive child who gets, apparently thinks happiness comes when they're successful and achieve things? So Sue, how about I start with you? Um, I totally relate to that question because we all, that's what we want. We want our kids to grow up to be happy and confident and fulfilled, but 
we have to realize happiness is never going to come from anything in this world. So whether they get the best grades or the best, the best goal on the soccer team or the highest honors in some sort of swim competition or whatever, those are fun things that will fade with time. And the only true happiness comes from really knowing who you are in Christ. Mm. So I don't want to downplay their successes because they are successes and it's fun to do those things. And you want them to go into their natural abilities and achieve where they are meant to achieve. But I always wanted them to give the glory to God. So I would say, hey, congratulations. We're so proud of you. You did such a good job in that game. And remember to thank God because he gave you your talent. Love that. That's really well put. Um, I have uh, two competitive children, but not overly competitive. So I think at this point, they're um, probably pretty well balanced in that department. But I do remember one time, you know, having to go pick up my daughter after she got cut from the soccer team um, at high school. And, you know, she was in tears and, and it was absolutely devastating to her because she had picked that sport to focus on. And um, that was a, it was a tough moment. Um, but I would recommend um, for all moms is make sure to take the time to be present with them. Um, these emotions are going to happen and we don't want to squash them. We want them to feel this pain um, because that'll definitely set them up for future mm. um, examples of similar things happening to them. Mm-hmm. But um, so, you know, being present with them, walking um, with them through it, being by their their side, really, mm-hmm. you can certainly pray silently. And then if they're open to it, pray with them, you know, together publicly or, or out loud. And then um, maybe the following day would be a good time to go and put it into a better perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, after you've had a, a day or so to kind of deal with, with the hurt and the pain. Mm-hmm. Lynette, I love that because it is important to acknowledge our children's emotions. But I think about, you always need to go back to, if you didn't get this, then God has something better for you. I love that. So you have to wait until, like she said, wait till they've processed, wait till they're ready to hear it, go, walk through it with them. And then eventually say, I'm really sorry, but God has something good for you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did she go on? Did she find something else to pursue at that point? She, she sure did. She found basketball and she ended up making varsity. So, um, yeah, it, it uh, yeah. So it was a, a launching point for a, a different sport. Yeah. So happiness, I, I think the key is just constantly, uh, speaking into our kids really from the get-go that uh, happiness comes from being grounded in, in who God is and the identity that he that he has with you, that you have with him, I should say. And so, um, yeah, great, great answers. Anything else about that? Got that? Great. All right. So the next question is about anxiety. And Sue, we've heard that anxiety in children and teens is currently at record numbers. There are many reasons for this. And there isn't a one-size-fits-all answer, but in raising four kids um, with very different personalities and all your experience in mentoring moms, how would you answer a mom who asks about preventing their child from having anxiety in today's world? Well, I want to have a disclaimer that my response doesn't cover anxiety that's caused by trauma or mental health problems or abuse or any situation that would cause someone to have an honest reason to be anxious. 
I'm answering this question assuming that it's about helping our children avoid becoming someone who worries and stresses so continually that they live in a constant state of low-level anxiety. Mm. That's the kind we hear a lot about sure. these days. We want to raise our children to be resilient and to be able to handle setbacks and difficulties because we know they're unavoidable no matter how much we want to protect them from those things. So I would say the single biggest thing you can do to give your child confidence and resilience is to grow your own faith and to live it out in front of your kids. The more our children see us depending on Jesus, the more they will learn to trust him and turn to him when they encounter difficulties and setbacks. And this may look like not freaking out when your husband loses his job mm. or when a doctor gives you and your child an unexpected diagnosis or when someone close to you is in a car wreck. You need to process some of these difficulties with Jesus alone so you can get to a place of trusting him. But even praying as your first reaction shows your child that you believe he's the source of strength and help. And the more we live this out in front of them, it becomes something that our child will internalize and help them to turn to him automatically when they face things that are disappointing. So good. I could not agree more. And, um, and yeah, I just, I know that some of my children watched my husband and I go through some really hard times with him losing his job. And I know that that probably spoke the way we handled that probably spoke more to our trust in the Lord and, and then modeling it before them than anything else we could have said. Mm -hmm. So that is so important. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Do you have any, uh, Lynette, any experience with any of that? I think with my two children, um, sometimes they do go through anxious moments like Sue was describing. And a lot of times is it happens because maybe they have not prepared for whatever it is, an exam or an interview or something like that. So then they are, um, basically using a lot of energy to worry about it and then get anxious about it. So I try to help them prepare earlier or encourage them to prepare earlier um, so that they don't get into those situations. And um, that is, that is a part of what I do now. I'm not really based on like faith, but, but I just try to use that. And then I always say, I'm praying for you, or I'll mm-hmm. specifically pray for whatever situation they're in mm-hmm. and pray with them. I mean, I have, my daughter is um, in her thirties and she had a meeting today at work and called me last night wanting me to pray with her. So that will continue for sure. Um, yeah. And then I, I like to just, just thinking about redirecting our kids from const from the worry to prayer and, and working with them, um, you know, through Philippians four, six and seven, because the, and the worries are, are big today, but, um, but you had some great advice Sue. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think Lynette did too. I mean, those are very practical things that are great to do with our kids, but I also want to say never discount the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. It seems like the smallest thing that we do but it's actually the most powerful thing that we do. Yes. And there may be times like days or months or years where you are just committed to pray for your child and you will be amazed at how God will answer that in his own time, in his own way. Prayer is very powerful. Don't give up. 
Oh, and I know one thing I was going to say, thank you, Sue, is um, Lynette, you were talking about getting your kids to um, prepare earlier and things like that. Well, I had one child who just refused to do that sort of thing. Um, He didn't get terribly anxious, but until after the grade came in or whatever. um, And, you know, there was the, the natural consequences of that taught him a ton as well. So um, mm-hmm. we, we of, often need to let our kids sometimes just experience those natural consequences, right? Yeah, that's so good. Oh, goodness. Um, all right. Well, thanks, guys. So moving on, um, Lynette, I would love to hear your answer for this next question. A mom shared or she asked, how can we share our Christian beliefs with playdate friends without overstepping? For example, we have crosses around our house and a child asked us about it. And then the question was, what is sin? So, so just, I guess those are sort of two different questions, but yeah. Sure, sure. Absolutely. A lot of us have crosses in our homes or Bible verses uh, on a poster or something like that. And, um, I would just say kids can probably, um, share with other kids, uh, what they mean in their own words, but, if I had the opportunity, um, I would just be very direct and just say that we are Christians and these are symbols of our faith. They remind us of our faith and they encourage us also in our faith. Um, so that, that is one thing um, I would probably share. And then on that part two of the question, um, if they actually ask, you know, what is sin? Um, I would I would probably say depending on the age, but I would say, you know, sin is the bad stuff we do that God, uh, that makes God sad and it separates us from him. And, um, sin often hurts us and other people offer, um, your child examples that they can relate to like, you know, fighting or offer this child, uh, examples they can relate to fighting with a brother or sister, stealing from a friend or disobeying, your parents. Um, so I would just try to get to their level with it. Um, knowing it's kind of a difficult concept if kids have never heard it before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And so if you were gonna, I know one thing that I did with my kids was just help them develop a heart for those friends that do not know Jesus. As we talked about that and we prayed for their friends at night and, And so they eventually wanted to share their faith with their friends. And so we had to kind of walk through that. Sue, did you experience some of that? Yeah, I I loved what Lynette said. You know, when we disciple our kids, they often are able to answer some of these questions from their own play dates. And one of my girls felt very strongly about a friend of hers who didn't know Jesus. And she took care of the whole thing. And she mainly said, "Um, here's my Bible. Would you like Mm -hmm. to keep it? And her friend said, yes, you've given me a lot to think about. Mm. So they were probably middle schoolers when that happened. But that's Mm -hmm. what you said was perfect. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you're right. Our kids then have a heart for their friends Mm -hmm. on their own. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know about y'all, but my kids asked me tough questions from the beginning. I mean, I remember when my daughter was five years old, um, and some of you out there may have kids like this. We were on the flight home from Disney World, I think. And she was like, Mom. I need you to tell me how evil or how, uh, how Satan came into this world or how did Satan, you know, what happened with Satan? And I was like, okay, uh, (laughs) let me, um, yeah, give me a minute (laughs) on that one. Um, but you know, it's when your kids ask these questions, 
we want to find out. And, and then if you can't answer it, don't be afraid of it. Go find the answer, find someone who can help you and then go back and answer them because that building their confidence and things like that is, we call that apologetics, defending their faith. It gives them, they can talk to their friends when those things come up and not from a banging them over the head with it, but from a place of just truly speaking the truth in love. Yeah. We made it dinner discussion. It would be like, this person asked this great question today, which encourages all the other kids to say, I want to ask a great Mm -hmm. question too. Mm -hmm. And it just fosters those discussions that you really want to have. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. The dinner conversations. Those are good. That's excellent. Yeah. Those dinner conversations are invaluable in building and building their faith. So good. Um, Okay, great. And then we had another question about spending time with each child as our families grow and how to, how to do that and still love them well. So um, Sue, do you want to take that one? I'm going to turn this answer on its head and I'm going to say, first of all, you need to have your spouse on board with this. Whether you have an only child and he needs to give up time with you and your child, or you have multiple children and he needs to watch the other children while you spend one-on-one time with one child, you need to make sure you both agree that this is something that you want because it's not, you don't need to stress your marriage over this. But if you're both on board and you both think that this is the right thing to do, then here's where I'm going to turn the question on its head. I don't necessarily think you need to carve out one-on-one time with each child. I know your mama heart wants this badly because I did too. And I don't think it's a bad idea. But I also don't think it's going to change the outcome of how your kids grow up if you do this. Hmm. So we have four kids and I desired to have one-on-one time with them. And my husband and I did sacrifice and we each, I took both girls on a one-on-one trip and he took both boys on a one-on-one trip. And the kids remember these trips, but I honestly don't think it impacted who they are or our relationship with them today. It was a nice little thing to do, but I don't think it was necessary to develop the relationship with them. Hmm. In fact, now they even make some comments like all children do, like my trip was lamer than yours. (laughs) So there's no winning this. So it's not a bad thing to do. But I do think what will make more of a difference is how you focus on important moments in a child's life. So we made a big deal about birth dates. Birthdays, somebody was the star of the show and they had one-on-one time, like the whole family was focused on that child. We put presents at their place at the table and everybody watched them open them and everybody oohed and awed over the presents and we passed the cards around and then we laid hands on them and prayed as a family, each one individually over that child. So that child felt loved and important and special, even though they weren't having one-on-one time with either parent. They were a focus moment. And I think it happens naturally. Like when a child goes to kindergarten, everybody's very focused on the kindergartner for the day. And even the older kids know kindergarten's a big deal. I want to help my my sibling through this. Or if somebody has a dance recital or a sports competition, they made the playoffs. Everybody's focused on that star of the moment. And I think that does just as more or maybe even more than special one-on-one time with each child. Hmm. And then I also, there are natural times where you have one-on-one time with a child. Like, for example, I would drop off the older kids at school and I'd have the little baby with me. And he might have been two, but I would say special mommy and whatever his name was, child. You know, this is our special time. 
And then I just, you know, we went and got a cookie or something. And there was a time in my life where the kindergartner had a half day of kindergarten and the preschooler was still at preschool and the older kids were at big school. So I would pick up the kindergartner and we'd have lunch together. I just, you know, I use the natural rhythm of life to have one-on-one -on -one time with a child as opposed to going to the effort to make that time. And maybe that was just my personality, but I would say focusing on those important moments makes just as much of a big deal as actually going to the sacrifice and doing the big, the big thing. I love that. And, you know, because we, we feel so much pressure today to do everything a certain way, just right, perfectly. And you're just taking all the pressure off and just saying, you know, it's going to happen. And just when those moments happen, just take advantage of them. Right. That's exactly what I mean. I even remember I had a time where I had to drive the high schooler earlier before she could drive. And the rest of the kids, I had to do round two. But for round one, I had one-on-one -on -one time with the high schooler and we talked on the way to school. I mean, I just, I used those moments to have one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Instead of trying to create some elaborate day out and all of that. But, um, you know, once in a while, those things are good, but yeah, very good. That's really practical. Um, and I'd also recommend um, not necessarily always needing a huge block of time, 15 intentional minutes go mm -hmm. a long, long way. Mm -hmm. And we would do very similar to Sue, but sometimes we would pack a little lunch and take a little hike in the green belt and find a bench. And I, I guarantee some of those, you know, special moments like that help, you know, to build that relationship. I do think when you do have that one-on-one -on -one time, um, you know, very scripted or kind of spontaneous, um, those definitely build that deeper relationship that you are desiring with your child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just that, just that communication of giving them a chance to be heard and, mm -hmm. and understood and felt. Um, yeah. And those can be done in lots of ways. So very good. Thank you so much. Um, okay. So our last question today is about discipling our kids in their faith and how to do that. So I would, I would love it if each of you would maybe share some of the ways that you either did, or if you can't remember, uh, we also did read a fantastic book as our leaders team this year called Teach Your Children Well by Sarah Cowan Johnson, which had some great tips in it. But um, let's hear what you guys have to say. Sue? Okay, well, I have three things. The first thing is let them see your own faith. And I wish I had done this more. It's good for them to hear you praying for endurance or strength or provision or peace or whatever you need. It's good for them to see you stopping and praying. And I wish that I had just shared that with them more. Um, along with that, prayer should be your go-to response when they bring home problems. So whether they feel like they don't have friends or they don't understand a subject at school or they really want to join an organization, but they didn't get accepted. Those are times you can commiserate with them and also pray for them and with them. Mm -hmm. And then follow up later and say, remember that time when you had trouble with math? How did that ever work out? And look at you now, you know, kind of show them that God answered. Mm. So the first thing is live out your faith. Now, I know some of you are like, yeah, 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 I hear you, but I want practical suggestions. So here's a practical suggestion. I am not crafty at all, but I? I have confidence that you can embellish this and improve on it. So most of the times the kids come home with papers from church showing what they've learned that Sunday. 
Talk about those things, reinforce those lessons, add your thoughts to those. And here's an idea that I read about that I kind of dumbed down a little bit because I'm not crafty, but I read about a family that had a dress up trunk and they had all kinds of costumes and props in it. I was totally overwhelmed with that. But my, what I did kind of get inspired about with that is we were talking about the story, the Exodus, and when Moses led his people out into the promised land. And so I read this story with my older two, maybe when they were two and four years old, like they weren't very old, maybe three and five. And then I had them pretend that they were Israelites in the desert and they had to wander around for 40 years. <laughs> so they just walked around the kitchen island, like over and over and over, <laughs> but they could never go into the family room because that was the promised land. And I would throw Cheerios over the island, like onto the floor that they had to pick up like manna. And so this was like reenacting the story. And then eventually they were allowed into the promised land, which was the family room where they had all their toys. But first they had to get through the big giant bar stools because there were scary people that kind of kept them out of the promised land and made them think maybe they couldn't get into that. So we just pretended all this stuff and they had a great time. They remember it today. Mm. I mean, maybe I could have carried it farther with costumes and foam swords or something, but this little things like that, you'd be surprised how much they will remember and you'll build a relationship with them when you do that. Mm. And then my third response was the book. That book mm. has great ideas. Mm. Yes, it definitely great. does have great ideas. Um, one devotional that we were very consistent with reading was Jesus Calling um, for Children hmm. by Sarah Young. And we would do that each breakfast, um, especially in elementary. I think it schedules get very crazy, middle school and onward, depending on the practices and um, the events that the child is in. But um, other things I would encourage are just take advantage of all of uh, the church youth groups, uh, their Sunday school, the routine of going to church regularly, um, small groups, retreats, camps, um, help them to build Christian community any way and every way you can. Um, in our Steiner Ranch Elementary, we had Heart to Heart in fifth grade, which I was a leader of that and with a, a few other moms. And that was an impactful year. We would meet once a week and just help the uh, young girls build, build their Christian faith. Um, yeah, I love in the book, uh, Teach Your Children Well, Sarah Cowan Johnson talks about having five adults or people in your children's lives that pour into them spiritually beside mm -hmm. you. And I just thought that was a really neat idea where she even had her father uh, spend time on a Bible study with one of her boys. And so I think that, you know, the youth leader and some of those things that you were talking about, Lynette, can be part of that five. Um, so it's not just you and your husband, um, especially as kids get a little bit older. Um, and then we also talked, we talked about uh, the dinner table mm -hmm. and just taking advantage of that mm -hmm. and those important conversations around the table. So um, all great, all great ideas. There's, there's so many ways. Um, I, I encourage you to just pray about it and God will absolutely give you some great tips as long as you're intentional um, as much as possible. It doesn't have to be fancy. It will happen. So anything else? 
Nope, not really. Okay. No, I love your questions, ladies. Mm -hmm. Yes, such good questions. Uh, We thank you guys so much for your time. And thank you guys for being honest and open, Sue and Lynette. And I let's just close in prayer, if you would. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us and the insights into your word and how we can raise our children to honor and glorify you. And Lord, um, it is hard in today's world And yet we know that your truths are timeless and the uh, principles of your word remain the same throughout all generations. And so, Lord, I just pray for these moms as they're uh, hearing so many great things and and good wisdom. I just pray that you would help them to take this, uh, what show them what they can adopt into their lives, give them wisdom into what can happen, what needs to happen in their families, with their kids, with their individual needs. And I just pray, Lord, that they would be able to raise their children in a way that would honor and glorify you. We thank you for this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if so please feel free to share it with others who might be interested. You can also give us feedback in the comment section, and we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything you heard today, or would like to suggest topics for us to cover in the future, message us on Instagram and Facebook at MomQ512. We'll see you back here in just a couple of weeks.